everyone to the Rest Podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. I am your host, Natalie Roberts, and I am here with the author of The Reconstitution Method for Healing and Rest, Virginia Dixon. Jeremy, thanks for coming back, and thanks for giving me all this time discussing some of these complex things that are have really left so many people just around the state of the church and the condition of things and where do we go yeah there's so much cynicism sarcasm anger frustration around some in many cases the idea of god and certainly in the institution of the church mm. but you're you're Maybe. backstage I, I i see what's going on and, and the backstage can be a mess and yet there's a lot that god is doing but um let me tell you First of all, thanks for having me, and I love the work that you're doing to to bring truth and life and rest, obviously, to you know those who are listening and those that you're caring for. For us and for me, I believe that Jesus is the hope of the world. And so, for me, I'm all about Jesus and helping people follow Jesus. Well, Jesus had a plan, and that was to set up churches to be a representation of Him to places of worship, places where people could grow and be discipled. And I had great experiences for myself growing up. And so often that's not what we find. And, and you've had painful ones too. And we, we've had difficult scenarios and we've had situations where you, th- you think this n- should not be happening. And for us, my wife and I, we do what we do. So I, I lead a ministry, a nonprofit organization. We have, think of them like coaches. We have 200 former pastors who work with us to help guide ministry leaders into healthy ministry. And so right now we have 3,500 ministry leaders a month that our team works with. The whole thing is to offer them a trusted, confidential relationship for free to help them be healthy and to do what God's called them to do. Most leaders can't be vulnerable with their elder board. They can't be honest. They fear that they'll get fired. We Can you imagine what you're saying, though? Yeah. If pastors and leaders are feeling that way, what hope is there for our kids that are in the front line of a civil war of values? Right. When the leaders of the church feel that way. Right. You, you get it. Well, that's why you're doing what you're doing. That's so why thank I do you. So, so there has but, been a, a massive decline. The church is in crisis. There's a leadership crisis. People mm-hmm. are leaving. Pastors are leaving the church Many, many a month. The the stats keep, they're staggering. You know, I've heard at one time like 1,500 a month are leaving the church. I I don't know the correct stats currently, but there's been a lot of studies that have been done that pastors feel isolated. They feel like they don't have one friend. They don't know who they can confide in. And so what we do is we come alongside because... um, he sounds like the teenagers I work with. Yeah. I don't feel, I feel isolated. Yeah. I don't feel like I have a friend. Right. I'm lonely. I'm scared. I, yep. I can't trust anybody. Wow. Do you see that? Wow. That's that deep. just struck me. Wow. That's interesting. But, but so, it's great that our yeah. listening audience can hear from you. Right. You're an authority on this. You've been at ground zeros for almost 30 years now. Yeah. But for you to say something like that. Yes. Yeah. Well, so it, it normalizes the challenge, right? Exactly. It normalizes the challenge. And so so what we we want to do is we're convinced that if we can help a leader stay healthy, transparent, vulnerable, and, and really uh, accelerate thriving in their 
their spiritual lives, their emotional well-being, their, that they're a whole person, that there's a spiritual vibrancy to their lives, and they're not just dead on the vine, and they're in a position where they're stuck, and they're, there's so many challenges to, to lead a church. And of course, there's this spiritual attack that a lot of pastors feel. And so what we do is we come alongside them and provide an outlet. And we have retreats that we'll take. We'll focus on the spouse as well and women in ministry. And it's unique. It's Sometimes we think we have an idea of what it's like to be in ministry, but unless you've been in it, you just really don't know. You just don't have a real good grasp. And there's some notion you're that, never off it doesn't feel like you're ever off does you're it? not you're not you're getting called at all all times of the day you're thinking you wake up in the middle of the night you're thinking about it but some have the faulty notion that a pastor works one day a week you know they don't mm. think about all the leadership issues challenges and um you know how many times i've been in a hospital room and i just speak vulnerably for myself like um at 19 years old, I mean, I started being, as a pastor, invited into the most vulnerable moments in a person's life when their loved one is dying. And I, and so I instantly, I began to think, okay, this person tragically just was taken off of life support. They breathed their last. And now I, my goal is to minister, care for, love on the family. Uh, what what about my emotion? What about how I feel? I, I leave that night and I think, wow, I was just in a room with a dead person for the first time in my life. The, the different variety of ways in which a leader who is leading a church is challenged and needs someone to just walk alongside. Many say they're isolated. They don't have someone to care for them and walk with them. And that's what we do. So we our aim is transforming communities. Because ultimately, this is what it's about. If there's a healthy church that's proclaiming scripture and is providing a place for people to work through their challenges, that there are recovery ministries, there's a ways in which people are, are just helping people through their hurts. A, a well, hospital sh- should be more like, like a hospital exactly. than, just, than a country club is what we were talking about. about. Yeah, and it sounds to me like what you're really doing is helping you heal the healers and the teachers and those that are leading right other people into freedom hopefully but they're weary we're beat we're weary beaten up tired exhausted and you're helping restore mental emotional physical spiritual health exactly to those serving what is the response it's dynamic well we just had uh, a, a gathering a gala and we get just brought in all these different pastors who have been helped and they just say this has been a lifeline for me this mm-hmm. has made this has made all the difference transformative in the world to me because i have someone who's been there and who gets it and who provides that outlet and who leads me in a place to where i can stay in my calling in the Old Testament, you see Moses and Joshua's fighting a battle. And and in that, God tells Moses to go and hold up his his staff. And as long as he holds that staff up, Joshua's winning. But as soon as he begins to let that staff down, they begin to lose. And so Aaron and her are called to go alongside Moses and hold his arms up. And as long as he, he can keep his arms up, then the battle is won. And that's a lot what we do. We come alongside Aaron and 
her and lift up the arms of those who are on the front lines doing the work that we believe is transformative when it's done well. You know, there's a well, lot of challenges. And but these when represent millions of people. Millions. 3,500 pastors a month represent millions of people. Yeah. So their transformation, their mental, emotional, and physical health becomes very important. Right. Right. We like to say we're kind of like a pool service. We're going to check in weekly. We're going to make sure that they're, so, they're attending to their soul, that they're really dealing with the hurts and hangups in their lives. And they've got and the secrets. Secrets yeah, the, the kill secrets. us. Think about that. You wonder sometimes a, a pastor comes into a ministry, has a secret sin, but then begins to lead and has uh, success and it grows and it grows, but he's never dealt with this little issue. Well, that little issue has always been there. And and what do we know from Romans says, sin is ever increasing wickedness. Small sins don't stay small. That's why things advance and grow. And so they get to this point where then it's a train wreck. And so again, being there alongside, equipping, helping, leading and guiding leaders into healthy ministry is really to impact the next generation and to... What are the changes, the most drastic changes you've seen in 20 years? This was started 20-some years ago right. or 20 years ago. I th Well, the most drastically is the challenges that are being faced with the culture mm -hmm. wars. Mm -hmm. We're a post-Christian um, nation. Uh, that That is really impacting the church because I don't think a lot of pastors and churches are addressing these issues. Well, it happened on their watch, so I'm mm -hmm. wondering what the response is to what they see now. Is there humility? Is there remorse? Is there repentance? Is there restriction? Or is there just total cluelessness, crickets? What is there? Well, from one to the next, I mean, you're going to get a whole variety of all of what you mm -hmm. just said. And, and the older, sometimes the older generation, just they just, they hunker down and keep doing what they've always done. And they, they're not, they're just, this is what, I know to do, and I'm just going to keep doing that. And to the point where congregations are, are shrinking because they don't have an answer. And, and, and again, this is how polarizing it all can be. Some people say you need to be political and others say, no way, we're not going to do anything political in the church. We're just going to preach Jesus. And others like you're missing. It's just such a, a, a polarized. It is. So you're saying, what are some of the challenges that I think those are the things just give you one example. During the pandemic, one of the pastors I was walking alongside, half his con congregation wanted to wear masks. The other ones, the other half didn't want to wear masks. Half wanted to open. Other half didn't want to open. No matter what decision they made, half of the church was upset with whatever decision they made. So they opened up and they had half sitting there with no masks, half sitting with masks. The worship leader wanted to wear a mask while he led worship. And they said, well, what, no, you're going to be on TV, I mean, so the challenges of just all these conflicting messages and the polarization of even God's people within a, one particular denomination has become very difficult for leaders to navigate. And so there's been a lot of real difficulty. Well, there, where there's confusion, chaos, and dis-ease. It rains. There's division. Yeah. I recently heard... Some, someone recently said to me, it's not the government that's divided, it's the churches. And I said, I don't think the churches are divided. I think the churches are in a state of confusion, chaos, and dis-ease yeah. that's creating a lot of disease, illness, oh, yeah. and death if it's not intercepted. 
Right. So you've got to displace the confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order for the disease and the illness not to... Fester and grow and... To death. And, right. And Lead us to the place of death. Right. And one thing I love about Standing Stone and about you, Jeremy, and the board of advisors and your team there is at least you guys are doing something about it. We're trying. We're trying. And, and again, until the Lord calls me home, I want to see healthy churches in every community transforming communities for Christ. Because I... You look at the history. Sometimes we're trying to whitewash history, like erase history. Uh, it was the church that brought in hospitals. It was the church that was transforming communities and doing the things that really made that birthed the science. Yes, in and, every significant and schools and the school, like the all major universities. It's like God's people were making massive movements and changing culture and and life as we knew it. And that's the call today to today. Like, how are we transforming communities? And so as, you know, the Lord gives me this opportunity to influence influencers. Now I focus on my team of over 200 who are then caring for the 3,500. We just want to see people leaving their calling, staying in the front lines, doing the work that God is calling them to do and being that prayer resource and that protective, you know, space so that we can continue to see the church advance in the way it's God, God intends it to. I'm looking forward to doing some great things together and to discussing this approach to healing that we take because we see that it's transformative in bringing people into communion mm-hmm. with their spirit, their soul, their body, with God, and then with each other. The concept of community, for some reason, about a few months ago, really was not setting well with me. I began to really pray about it, think about it, do my homework, go back to Noah Webster and father of the English language. And I became a Christian because I read the Federalist Papers, and I saw a disparity between that and my books. And I thought, somebody's lying. So I'm accustomed to thinking about what I think about and why I think about it, and to ponder things for months and years. That word community was really unsettling to me. And I called one of my mentors, who happens to be a providential historian and a scholar of primary sources. And she's the person that gives me a question, and it takes me two or three months to think about it, and then call her back or send her an essay on it. But I called her, and I said, I'm really struggling with this, and I don't know why. And she says, well, why don't you think about it for a few days? It's a very reasonable check in your spirit. I said, okay, wait, 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 I think I got it. Community, communism. I think we're called to communion, not community. Mm. And she said, that's absolutely right. Wow. This is after thinking about it for a long time. Yeah. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this, whether we put it in there or not, it doesn't matter, because I think we have a good closing point with your sure. last words. But communion... Think about it is your spirit, your soul, your body. God says, love your neighbor like you love yourself. If you don't love yourself, if you're not in alignment with yourself, you can't be in alignment with me and come into alignment with people. And we've got to take words back that have been hijacked and that concept of alignment and that concept of communion is one of them. Both the religious zealots 
and the progressives keep stealing words and using them outside of their meaning. Right. And so this concept of communion, and that's why we're committed at rest to having conversations, because it doesn't require a formal gathering of anything. And a community tends to be lit, but led by the ideology or the philosophy or the thought or the notion or the intentions of a group. But communion, I think, calls people into a place of abiding and being and reflection, and it calls them into meaningful conversations with themselves, with God, and with each other. And it can be had anytime, anywhere. So just food for thought. Well, Whatever it, you it, think well, about that. I'm unre- And I know yeah. I, don't, I haven't read. I don't know everything you know. But that just struck me, and I felt like it was the Holy Spirit saying... Look at right. Jesus' advice, and I think... It's a word we got to take back. Those who are listening, this is one of the greatest things, that Jesus calls us into a relationship, into um, a personal relationship with Him, and one of the greatest things is communion. One of the greatest ways that we discover intimacy with Him is by recognizing that dynamic of His His body as you know, the bread there that represents His body that was lived and sacrifice broken on our behalf and that blood that brings new life. I do think you're you're you know Aren't really hitting on something, something because because again churches systems will fail us but that's why I keep coming back to who is Jesus? What did he say he was? Let's keep having in another we'll have another conversation later on. Great. But let's really Talk about language and taking language back, not just from the world or not just from the propaganda machine, but from the institution of the church, too. No, language is God's. Thoughts have power, words have authority, right? That's a word that, just for whatever reason, I thought, I'm going to just say that to you. Right on. All right, everyone. For updates about rest and this podcast, please visit our Instagram or Facebook, The Place of Rest. If you'd like more information about Virginia or to support and join the cause of rest, please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate or call 949-289-5935. Thank you for listening to Rest with Virginia Dixon. We'll see you next week. Mm